Welcome back to Mr. Epstein and Ms. Maxwell's Closet. I'm going microcosm of the monster here in the middle of Creighton Waters closing. I'm about 20 minutes behind live. He's pausing, so I'm taking opportunity. At the beginning of the case, I talked to you about some of the evidence that you would hear. And I held up my cell phone. And there's been a lot of that evidence, but the last witness you heard in the state's case in chief was Peter Rudolfsky, and he went through that timeline. And what does it show? The gone motive means opportunity. Opportunity to commit the crime. And what does this timeline show? These are all the information, the various sources of information that were in this timeline. And let's look at what it shows. First thing right here is that the defendant arrived at Moselle at 6.42. Now, I'll say one thing. You've heard a lot of testimony about what he said about times. What time he got home, what time he went to the office, how long he was at Almeida. Certainly, people can have some variability in assessing that. My cat got caught in a bag. 6.42, he arrives in Moselle. Paul, <laughs> according to his extraction, gets there about 7.04. And about 7.03, we see the defendant steps registering on his phone. And then, over the next... 30 minutes or so, we see a symmetry, general symmetry between the steps between Paul's phone and Alex's phone, as he described, walking the property. At 7.39, we have creation of the Snapchat video that had the clothes on it. When that ultimately was recovered and you saw the interview, it was shown to the defendant who had provided his clothes that night. And at the first time then he started talking about changing his clothes and we'll talk more about that later. Again, 7.55 to 8.05, we have some symmetry with the steps. We have Paul Murdaugh's battery life and you heard from the experts who have reviewed Paul's usage that like many kids his age, he's constantly flirting with it being low. But that doesn't stop him from using it, and you see that in the evidence in this case as well. 756 again, that's when Paul sends the Snapchat to his friends. And then at 808, we see Paul leave the kennel area at 8.06 and 8.08 make his way down to the residence. Eight oh five to eight oh nine 
Around that time that Paul was getting there at 808, that's the last step activity on Alex's phone. And it's the last step activity until 902. Yeah, so he left his phone. He left his phone at home, back at the house. Alex's phone pretty much goes with no activity for that time. He left his... Was it normal for him to not take his phone with him? Also, he has no cell activity from 652 to 904, which is right in that time period we'll talk about in a little bit. So, eating dinner. You heard the defendant talk about eating dinner. Paul is at that residence, if you look right here, from 814 down to 835. And again, that timeline exhibit, there's a big one and then there's a condensed one. And all of this is in there, uh, in evidence for y'all to look at. He's at that residence from 814 to 835. Now, the defendant, again, despite having a photographic memory a new photographic memory about things that he told y'all that people are hearing for the first time still can't remember specific things about Maggie's activities as to when Maggie arrived as to what they talked about he can remember dropping his phone down in the console but he can't remember things like that he wants to remember things that help him try to explain to you why he never told the truth about maybe the most important thing he could tell law enforcement but he can remember very specific details. He still gets this wrong. But she arrives at 817 in Moselle. They're already there. How do we know that? Because her cell phone disconnects from her Mercedes at 817, and that's when she starts showing steps. And Paul, what's he doing? He's still using his phone like always. We see the battery life, but he's still sending snaps. He's receiving snaps, bless you. He's sending to his friends, all these friends right here. He's receiving these snaps all during that time from 817 to 830, continuing to communicate with his friends, using his phone like always. And then what happens? About 830, Maggie's phone registers some steps. And consistent with that, consistent with her, and Paul going down to the kennels, riding down to the kennels, we see Paul's murder phones start showing steps. And then down here at 8.38, he's at in that kennel area where those dots are. And if you look at that particular slide from 8.38 to 8.44, that's going to be the last GPS reading on Paul's phone, 842. You heard from Rogan. And you heard from Rogan as it references this timeline. And Rogan tells you and told you from that witness stand that he was having a conversation with Paul about cash and the, and the dog's tail. They were having an active conversation about that. Oh my God. Paul calls Rogan at 8.40 and they're talking about it. And Rogan says, send me a FaceTime, but if it doesn't work, send me a video. At 8.44, four minutes and 14 seconds, we have right here the FaceTime, but it only lasts 11 seconds. 
And then at 8.44.55, that's when the kennel video was recorded, the last 50 seconds. At the beginning of this investigation, as you will call the testimony, they didn't have Paul's password and couldn't get in. And you heard in the defendant's August 11th statement that when he was asked about Rogan saying he may have heard Alec on the phone during this time, he said, well, I'd be surprised <laughs> if that were the case. Because law enforcement didn't have this kennel video. They didn't have this kennel video until April of 2022, when Paul's phone was finally unlocked. And that changed everything. Why did it change everything? April, almost a year? Almost a year later? Seeing the crime when the murders occurred. Opportunity. And more importantly, exposing the defendant's lies about the most important thing he could have told law enforcement. When was the last time I saw my wife and child alive? Why in the world would an innocent, reasonable father and husband lie about that and lie about it so early? He didn't know that was there. And he could always say, well, Rogan must be mistaken. I'm surprised. Not if my times are right, was what he said. Rogan told you I was expecting that video right there. That was supposed to be the next thing that happened. Send me the video because we were worried about Cash the dog's tail. He talked about how his girlfriend was going to call a veterinarian or she had some association with one. It was an active conversation going on right then and right there. And what's going on still? Paul's still also texting his friends. You might recall that an opening statement, the defense counsel said, oh, he was texting after that video for 10 minutes. It's not for 10 minutes, it's for barely a minute. Down here, 848, 58 to 84901. That's the last time that Paul's phone was unlocked. And what do we know? We know that the defendant was there just minutes earlier at the scene of the crime with the victim. Eight forty-nine. Oh one. Paul's phone locks. He never sends that video to Rogan. You heard Rogan say that when he watched that video. You heard him say, that's the video I was supposed to receive. That is the video that my friend was supposed to send to me. And he never did. In 
fact, Rogan responds at 849.35, and he says, see if you can get a good picture of it. Mary Ann, his girlfriend, wants to send it to a girl. We know that's a vet. Tell him to sit and stay, and he shouldn't move around too much. Even though this is an active conversation with Paul, who you heard from multiple friends, is one to respond and use his cell phone. Paul never reads it. Paul never reads it. What happens at 849-31? We're 849-01 for Paul. 849-31. Maggie reads Lynn's response to the group thread about Mr. Randolph. And then her phone locks forever. It was never unlocked again until it's recovered the next day. Down here. 6 8 and 1 10. Eight forty nine for both of them. The defendant, after hearing multiple individuals of his family and friends and law partners get on the stand and listen to that video and say that's him on that video, got on the stand. For the first time, and said, Okay, I was there. He was forced into doing what he does all the time, and that's coming up with a new lie when he's confronted with evidence he can no longer deny. And the only reason he did that. Oh my that, God, he's str- she's starting to cry. The only reason he did that is because all the Alex. witnesses at that witness stand said, Trying not to. Yeah, that's him. It's getting to him. He's there. Why would he lie about that, ladies and gentlemen? Oh my God. Why would Fuck. He even think to lie about that if you were an innocent man. Why would he even think about that? But he got on the stand and he's talking. Look at him. We're going to talk more about that story in a minute. That's but his story be. was was that he didn't want to go down there, and then he went down there, and, and he went down there really quick, and. Got carried the chicken and went straight back, and he can't remember anything about what he talked about with Maggie. He can't remember their conversation at dinner, but he's he's that dumb sure about the fact that he went down there and went straight back. But even if you give him the benefit of the doubt, his story doesn't make sense. Because that kennel video is 50 seconds, it's over at 8.45.45. Even if you give him the benefit of the doubt that he could take care of the chicken and maybe the fastest dog and chicken chase ever and put that chicken up and not say a word to Maggie and Paul and get on that golf cart and drive all the way back to the house where does that put you? puts you right at 849 which point he claims he went inside and he managed to doze for a second then he's up at 902 perhaps the quickest nap ever it doesn't make sense ladies and gentlemen it's a, a new story to fit facts he can no longer deny from a person who not a single person who was close to him knew who he really was. Not a single person close to him hadn't been lied to by this man. 
And I will submit to you that this one is the most blatant one yet. We'll talk more about that in a second. What happened at 849? Oh, boy. Y'all been to the scene. That feed room door is probably a bit tighter than this. But you saw the evidence from Kenny Kinsey and all the rest of them that clearly Paul was in the middle of that feed room. It's a kill zone. Nobody in there with them. He's in that room. No defensive wounds at all. His hands are down. And he takes that shot, buck shot to the chest. And any person who did that would probably think that took care of business because this buck shot, but for some reason he was canned this way and it went through. It was a million and one shot. But it didn't kill him. Alec thought it did. Alec, the lawyer, Alec, the prosecutor, Alec is thinking through that we'll see he's manufacturing an alibi and he's also manufacturing the fact that there's two guns used. But we know, unlike the expert they call from Connecticut where they can't even get ARs, who doesn't know about people riding around on property, he doesn't know about Paul and the two guns he likes to use, he doesn't know about this family and how common those guns are together. He says, well, his only conclusion is oh, it would be practical for somebody just to, to, to fire out the clip. But this is him, this is Alec prosecutor, the lawyer, and he's thinking through this. He's thought through this. He's going to use two guns because it's going to confuse people that perhaps there are two shooters. But again, it doesn't make sense. Two family weapons? That explains the phone, too. And you heard the testimony that Paul appears in the feed room doorway. Shit. Is Alex putting down that shotgun to pick up the blackout? startled by Paul, and that's why the angle's like that, and catches Paul like that, and goes up into the ceiling, as you've heard the testimony from Kenzie, blows, blows his brains out. And what happens with Maggie right here? We see activity on Maggie's phone. They went off of him during that whole thing. You heard about... This guy's glasses on now. Writing. You heard from Kenny Kinsey about clenching his jaw. From the Face is red. Over there. By <sighs> overhang next to the feed room. He's trying to distract himself. Seeing the diagrams and the crime scene photos of that all those cases are in that area between the doorway and the feed room. Yeah, you're not you're not you're not letting those cries out now, are you? You heard that Maggie had no Fuck. Oh my god. With no indication that he detected a threat from the person who fired that weapon and why because it was him. He's writing Same with Maggie. Because Maggie sees what happens and she comes running over there, running to her baby. Probably the last thing on her mind thinking that it was him who had done this, she's running to her baby. He's calmed down about while he's gotten picked up the blackout. And opens fire at close range again with no. Yeah, he distracted wound. himself. He's talking to 